Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN. Your home for K-State Athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. And I understand we have a birthday today. <laughs> Here's the thing. I, I I luckily don't hear this in a, in my ears. You know, usually in August. Right. Yeah. 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 You're a January birthday. I'm a January baby, man. I was <laughs> I was the New Year's baby of Pawnee County, Kansas, in 1984. I was the first baby born in 1984. How big of a baby were you? You know what? Okay. I was. Um, I was six pounds, uh, eleven or okay. seven ounces, something like that. I, I was not. You a, mean I was a bigger baby? Yep. Really? Both of my girls are bigger babies than I was, so I'm assuming they're gonna be little, you know, because <laughs> I think that's how it works out, you know. But I, uh, yeah, I was, I was a normal sized baby, if you can imagine that. I joked with a former offensive line coach friend of mine when he had his first. I'm like. You had a defensive back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he's like, just wait. Yeah, right. Right, exactly. Number 40 today for Mr. Garcia. Mm. Travion does not know what that means yet. No. No. He was like, we were walking and talking today uh, when we were to the meeting, and he was kind of guiding me you know he had his hand on my back and then like kind of on the side you know and he was like guiding me down the hallway and i was like i can do it and then i go now what's that say you know and he had to read stuff for Mm -hmm. me well i mean you get lost in the studio sometimes i I gotta help you out i do and i go well when i was uh, just starting we you know and then those (laughs) stories kick in and travion's like okay grandpa right exactly You did see my note on your card, by the way. I, I did see your note, now, which was really funny. Thank you. I Thank thought you. The, the, the card itself was really funny as yes. well. Four out of five birthday cards come with cash. Hello, number five. Was yeah. <laughs> you work in radio. Welcome. <laughs> I thought it was really touching. It was really nice. Um, Matt, our new GM, he went out of his way to make sure people signed it and mm-hmm. that I was recognized. And it was nice, man. It was really nice. Yeah, I threw in there the point that he's 40 and has two in uh, diapers still. <laughs> Good luck. Absolutely. The gray hair is already, like, starting to come in. You know, it's like, I'm gonna. it's just only going to get 
worse, man. Yeah, I know. Exacerbated. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully aware, my friend. I'm fully aware. <laughs> yeah. uh, welcome into the game. Mitch is out again today, but he will be back with us tomorrow as we wrap up the work week. Tomorrow, coming up a little later, we will give away a pair of tickets to see K-State in action against UCF on Ooh. Saturday evening, a 5 o'clock tip-off out at the Bram. We'll give those away a little bit later this afternoon. Last night, the K-State women's basketball team with a nice victory over Houston. We'll talk with head coach Jeff Minnie a little later this hour. But first, it was just before the top of the hour that K-State made official the announcements of what the offensive staff will look like going forward. We talked a little the other day about the consideration and that the contract was being discussed with Matt Wells, the former head coach at Texas Tech, to become a co-offensive coordinator. And yes, that title does, does sit there next to his name. The interesting twist on this is that, as Derek Young at KSO pointed out, Connor Riley's title is officially offensive coordinator. There is no co in front of that. Huh. As he was announced for his promotion today as well. Wow. That's odd. Yes, exactly. And it gets into the dynamics of things mm-hmm. in terms of making it very interesting. I have this feeling. Huh. What? So do you have some kind of thought on it uh, right off just first blush? What it leads me to believe is that at this point, while Wells will also be the quarterback's coach and also associate head coach, which we'll touch on that aspect of this in a moment as well, what I think it it highlights is that it's Connor Riley leading that room, but on game day... It may be that Wells is the one in the booth and Riley's on the field. I, you know, that, that's that's where I'm kind of leaning with that thought process right now. I may be way off, but that's just taking a shot in the dark at what the dynamics may be. I see. I see. Because I don't think that Connor really appreciated being in the booth all that much, you know, with some of what we heard. We really did, like, because we like to – we like to read between the lines a lot of times. And this was one of the first times where someone was out and out just like, eh, I didn't like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, eh, not for me. So that's really interesting. That is, uh, have you ever seen that uh, dynamic uh, on a team before? College football? Pro football? Something that we will talk about next ah, hour ah, is ah. our tradition of naming Coe's. I mean, because let's be honest, that that was a Bill Snyder thing. It was. Uh, for years and and I want to touch on that, but I that's the the aspect of building a staff, I think, that is always interesting is getting that dynamic just right as to who is in the booth and who is on the field. Right. And honestly, when you are in that situation, I feel like the title doesn't really matter sure. all that much. It's as much as anything, it's who's doing the work during the week. Uh, in leading that room, right? As you right. hear Coach Chris Kleiman talk about all the time, well, in that room, in that room, you know, uh, at the front of that room, right? And, and you know how many comments he made regarding Riley's efforts at the front of that room in the lead up to the bowl game. Hmm. I really think that that's where where the difference lies, right? But then again, I have also 
seen such interesting aspects as head coaches who have coached from the press box and uh, one that literally coached from the roof of a press box, which I had never seen in my life. Wow. That, that was at JUCO. When Dodge City had a head coach who was not on the sideline but coached from the press box. Wow. Years ago. Wow. It didn't go well. No, I'm sure <laughs> that it did not. They were like, hey, get down there. Dude. Right. Uh, well, I, we talked just the other day about my friend Kay Dalton out at UNC at Northern Colorado and being a head coach. One of the flaws with him late in his tenure was his age. Hmm. And he's not a guy who could be very mobile. He had had the number of knee surgeries. And so it put him in a bad spot where if he got hit on the sideline. Right. And so they were trying to figure out ways to help to protect him better on the sideline so that he wouldn't have to coach from the booth. Right, right. But in all honesty, as a offensive coordinator, he probably was better in the booth than he was on the sideline. That's Again, it, it's an interesting aspect of how people also just have their perspectives. For sure. And, you know, it's it's like a baseball stance almost. You know, yeah. like whatever works, yeah. works. Um, I Just the head coach up there, it's weird. You know, it reminds me a lot. Dan Quinn, um, now the defensive coordinator with Dallas, he seems to like the booth a little better, I think, than he did down on the field. I know when he was the Falcons head coach, you got to be down there. But um, for years, their their defensive coordinator, um, he was on the Cowboys guy was on the field. He was on the field as the defensive coordinator. But now Dan Quinn, I don't know. He just seems more comfortable up there. I wonder if part of that, besides not just being on the sideline also has to do with the fact that you're able to lock out some of the other noise. Uh, as, as a head coach, you've got both offense and defense in your ear. Oh, man. Going on the headset uh-huh. at the differing times. Players, officials, you got, man. Exactly. The, it, it, it can be a sensory overload if you're not careful with what you're doing. Uh-huh. And I wonder how much of that is Quinn feeling like, He's able to put his focus directly on the defense and not have to worry about as much of what's going on on the other side of the ball. You know, and it can like a, a sideline can be overwhelming if you're on, like a press person. <laughs> you know, like, imagine, yes. Just as a head coach, all the stuff you've got to worry about. Um, you can tell he's really feeling it up there. And uh, for Connor Riley, he was already like, ah, I'm not sure how this is going to go. Did it and was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there was a, wasn't what I liked. I don't right. like that. And again, it's pure speculation. Sure. But sure. there is that aspect that that may be, again, why the delineation will take place is that that way you have an assured person on game day in the booth right. who has a co-title, at least, in terms of calling plays. That sure is a – that's a spot-on speculation. I'm sure that's uh, close to what, at least what we're going to do. The other aspect of this is that you have the associate head coach coach title with that. And, and this is one of those where I uh, laugh about staves and, and it's not just in football, but it is in uh, really all sports at the collegiate level nowadays. Because what we have found, of course, is that if you've got a title added to it, you get that much more of a boost in your uh, salary. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, yeah. it's an escalator, right? It is. You know, and it's a way to get a guy paid a little more when you just throw that out there. Because Chris Kleiman is the head coach of this football team, bar none, make no mistake. Nobody's going to tell him what to do with this team. But the reason I bring it up is because you also see guys wind up with longer titles than <laughs> what you're used to, and you wind up with exactly now is what it will take place on this coaching staff. You have an associate head coach and an assistant head coach. Oh, wow. It's twisted in that aspect. <laughs> the assistant head coach being Van Malone. Already had that title in place. Now you bring in an associate head coach. <laughs> I, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can we just pay these guys a little more? Come on. And, and on top of it, what's the business card look like? <laughs> I mean, seriously. The associate, I'm the assistant to the regional man. No, I'm the assistant right. regional man. Right, exactly. Well, I'm the district manager of sales. So you <laughs> report to me. Who reports to who? Oh, no. There, there are some old timers in college football coaching that are sitting there looking at these titles and going, what in the world? Wait, wait, what? What? <sighs> Give me a break. I, I just need a position coach or a coordinator title. That's Come right. on. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so before anybody reads too far into it, yeah. understand that, yes, the delineation is still that Van Malone is the assistant head coach. Right. Matt Wells is an associate head coach. <sighs> Middle management. <laughs> Nine years head coaching experience, but comes to K-State now uh, as the quarterback's coach. On top of all of this, the quarterback's coach. Hmm. And as someone who has developed quarterbacks over his time, we mentioned Jordan Love the other day being uh, one of his protégés, and it will be interesting to watch now and see yes. how this works with Avery Johnson hmm. at quarterback going into this new season. I can't wait. The way that Jordan Love was slinging it around at Utah State there towards the end was uh, pretty impressive, to say the least. Very, very athletic. And what he's got in Avery, just that what the start of what he has, he's got to be excited, too. He's got to be so ready. And I'm sure that's what helped him get to the job, is he's like, you know what ideas I have for this offense and for that kid in particular? I'm sure uh, Coach Kleiman heard it and was like, yeah, let's go. Plus, you factor in that he spent two years as an analyst at Oklahoma, but also as an advisor to Brent Venables. But an offensive analyst with an offense uh, at OU that has had its moments, but yet really showed a lot of improvement this year yes. under Jeff Levy, who now has taken the job as head coach at Mississippi State. I think that that was a nice step back for Wells to get a little bit maybe refreshed and get ready to go back into coaching. Right. And that this was the right opportunity because he's able to do so with someone that he views as a friend in Chris Kleiman. And you, you, you step back for a couple of years before you get right back into the pressure cooker, you know, and just all the things that come with that. And he knows what to expect. Um, I think it was a great hire. It was smart, um, especially given, um, you know, Colin Klein and, and, and what – the, the teams that reached out to him that wanted him to be their offensive coordinator, mm. you know, you realize we really lost something special 
Um, we needed to replace it with a bang. I, and I really did think, I think this is a great hire. I really do. And as things begin to take shape for next year, Connor Riley received a little bit of good news today, and that is that offensive lineman Taylor Portier announcing that he is coming back. Nice. Doing so on social media earlier this afternoon. So he will be back for his super senior year. Very nice. That cannot hurt. Uh, that, that room got a lot younger all of a sudden. Very quickly, and yes. So yeah, to have that kind of leadership is amazing. So you have three on that offensive line that have experience in these last few years that will help lead the charge up front next year. Yes. And the crop of young guys that are coming in look great too, you know? And so just to have that super senior kind of stuff, and he would have played a ton if not for those injuries. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy was poised to be a starter. And so I can't wait, man. Sounds good. Anyway, so there's your uh, K-State news for the day. We will dig into the uh, tradition of sharing titles coming (laughs) up a little later because for some reason K-State has gotten into that mode. And I had never seen it in college football to that point uh, <laughs> that we started doing that so heavily over the course of time. Man. A, a vanguard, if you will, a, <laughs> a leading edge yes. in, in how to uh, ensure that your guys got paid. <laughs> when the game continues, transfer portal news continuing today. You may be surprised, though, at who's getting dinged now with the transfer portal. That when we continue on the game. Are you kidding me that we now have NFL player dads that are getting involved on social media upset because their sons didn't get selected to a Pro Bowl? No way. Asante Samuels. Oh, Winfield Sr. Oh, Uh, my God. Antoine Winfield Sr. You know. Or Antonio Winfield Sr. Right. That was a snub for sure, but come on, man. It's the Pro Bowl. Give me a break. I, I had this argument years ago with someone else who wanted to play up, well, he's been to the Pro Bowl this, he's done the Pro Bowl that, Pro Bowl. Yeah, do you know who else has been to the Pro Bowl? <laughs> I mean, it's honestly very simple to sit there and break down. Yeah, it's not the honor you think it is. No, it's it's along the lines of saying that Alcides Escobar was an all-star. Right, right, <laughs> right. We all know how that happened. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Troy Coverdale, Dave G back with you coming up in the next segment. We talk with women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty as K-State improved to 14-1 and last night with a blowout victory over Houston. Transfer portal continues to be active. Coming off of a college football playoff semifinal weekend, you may be surprised that it has been this active today. Let's start with Alabama losing cornerback Kool-Aid McKinstry. Because a draft pick. Already ranked the number one cornerback in this year's draft if he would declare. But instead he is, oh, I take that back. He declared, my bad. Still... You still have, though, a number of Alabama guys right. that have declared, including their center. Good luck with that. Already tied to Ohio State, and boy, are the uh, Buckeyes losing their minds. Oh, no. But you are seeing, again, now the larger programs or the bigger programs, the ones that are on that stage for the moment, the Blue Bloods, getting hit now. 
by the transfer portal right. today. Right. And how interesting that is coming right off of the college football plant. We talked about the number of guys that entered in the portal before bowl games. Mm-hmm. What this shows is that when the playoffs are in place, that guys will wait. The ones that are playing just bowl games didn't, for the most part. And you just you you just assume in your head, you just think if a team's in the playoff, most of those guys are coming back. Of course, every year there's a little attrition as far as transfer goes. That's how always been that way. But you just don't expect to see Alabama lose what they've lost like four or five guys so yeah. far. Yeah. I mean, right after the game. Man, even the big dogs are having to deal with transfer portal stuff. Imagine that. And it really speaks to where we are in terms of college football as an entity and the not so much NIL aspect, but the fact that the transfer portal is growing each year. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned it last year, just what the numbers were, and we brought up what the numbers are in comparison this year already. Right. And it it already is above and beyond what it was a season ago. It really is an amazing thing to watch when you are someone who has watched the growth of college football over the years and remembers that day and age when you would be penalized not just one year for a transfer, but two if you were if you were transferring within your own conference. Right. You would have to sit for and then by then they're recruiting somebody else, you know, and you're a forgotten guy. I think you know what one situation has been fascinating to me is to watch the Will Howard saga unfold as it as it has. It looked like one minute it looked like there was a three-team race, and then it looked like he was a lock for one school. Then they turned the, the, the books, and they go, no, actually, we're going to flip the script on this guy. We already got our guy. And now it looks like he's open for two different places because Cam Ward declares for the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, this whole thing has played out, and he has done the smart thing, and he just waited, and he's waited and waited. Where's he going to end up? I mean, really. It was it was a lock for USC, and now <laughs> Ohio State is making noises, right? And it's like Miami was also kind of in on him, but then mm-hmm. they were going with Cam Ward. Cam Ward says, eh, "I'm going to declare for the draft." Crazy, it, it, and and therein lies part of the struggle for those of us as fans outside watching it because you're seeing quarterbacks that are in situations like K-State's, or let's be honest, let's take a look at Ohio State, and they lose their starting quarterback, he exits the roster, thinks he's going to Nebraska only to have that fall through because they sign a Mm five-star, one of the top recruits in the nation, and so he winds up at Syracuse. Right. Exactly. And that brings in the flaw of the transfer portal in that as the dominoes begin to fall, there are a lot of exceptionally talented players that are in the transfer portal that find themselves 
in a position where they have to maybe scramble for a landing spot uh-huh. that they didn't think that they would be scrambling for. Right. And it also – it's one of those things where if you if, if you went about that a few years ago, you the scramble would be, oh, I'll just go to a smaller school or a JUCO and put in a year and go. Right. And now – we're seeing that played out with just a smaller Division One school. I'll just hang out there for a year and then transfer again. I don't know. I might be in the minority here, but I think you're should there should be a cap on how many times you do this. And I, I mean, it, I don't think you should be going. I mean, graduation's one thing. Graduating and going somewhere else is another. But it just feels like these guys that are scrambling. Um, they're falling back on a school, and they're they know in their head, I'm not going to stay here for for the long haul. It's going, and that is really going to become more and more of a factor when the double transfer rule essentially is allowed to be in place for the NCAA. It call it the Raekwon battle rule if you want. <laughs> right. The kid who's uh, went. Uh, from Washington to Montana State, now out to West Virginia, was waiting his time. Well, of course, they get the temporary restraining order. The NCAA puts the rule on hold for now. But are they, you know, what's going to be the action? Do they continue to wait on that? And, or do they go ahead and take that through to court and see what the standing should be? But if it allows for a double transfer without a degree in place, you're going to see it become more about shifting to a smaller school potentially rather than right. going the junior college route. <coughs> right. Uh, that Not even a thought that had crossed my mind, but you're absolutely right that it's going to change the face of that Man, as well. It will be the so smaller schools will be pit stops, just like a JUCO, where, <coughs> excuse me, um, the JUCO route, when it came to things like that, it was expected and it was understood. This is super temporary. I'm here to get my stuff straight. I'm here to get, you know, my grades or my paperwork or sometimes, you know, whatever it was, I'm here to get that straightened out and then I'm out of here. And everybody was in on it. Everybody understood. I think there's a lot of schools who don't understand they are being used as a pit stop and they don't even know it. And they're buying in on somebody. I'm just right off the top of my head, I'm thinking Maction and how that's going to impact those. Yeah. Stay at Miami of Ohio for a season and then maybe try again, you know. But those guys have to understand. I'm just going to throw a name out there. I don't mean to bash anybody or 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 speak for someone, but a guy like Adrian Lara. Hmm. Adrian Lara mm-hmm. comes to K-State, doesn't play. He hits the transfer portal. He's going to go somewhere smaller. It's going to be a smaller school. And then maybe he expects to go after that, get some tape, and do it again, the transfer portal. Now that is officially – what, two or three? I think it's two new classes of people that are coming in after him, quarterbacks that are coming in after him. I think these guys, they don't think about stuff like that. They don't think about, like, there's other people after you that they're being recruited for the same position, and, then, and they have more years left than you do. They're they're younger. They You know what I mean? And those things, it's odd to talk about, like, Somebody's younger than you when a guy's like 20, but it is what it is. And they're not thinking about that. They're not thinking no. about the guy behind them, a younger, the, the new toy that's going to be coming around. 
I, I think you got to find a good fit that one time and just stick there. If you graduate, eh, I guess do whatever you want. But what makes that just such a, a strange thing to me is that this business has always been about, at least from a coaching standpoint, building class on class on class on class so that you were not having to do a rebuild sure. at any point. Sure. The idea being that your experienced guys would be the guys that had developed and made their way up through the ranks to the point that they're playing as a junior or senior as the top-notch guys right. on your roster. That's going away. Bye-bye. That is completely blown apart by the transfer portal and what's taking place. Right. That then leaves you in the position, how much are you investing in your backups? How much are you, in, and I mean in time, energy, coaching, all of those things, how much time are you able to invest in not just getting them on campus, but keeping them mm-hmm. on campus? And I saw some talking about the fact that Ole Miss's top running back <laughs> is out the door. A guy who's mentioned in the same breadth in terms of his numbers as one of the best all time in Herschel Walker in the SEC. You can bring guys in all you want from the transfer portal, but what about keeping your own guys? How? Do, how? I mean, with that guy, he got a ton of carries. He got all the accolades. He got all the attention. He's the starting tailback. How do you keep someone happy? How do you do that in a day and age where he can go, eh, you go to Georgia? <laughs> you know, like, what is, what, I mean, after a while, it's like, what do you want? Sometimes in this game, you have to fight for your position. You have to, sometimes you'd have to sit, sometimes. And, you know, the, the, the further you go, the less and less reps a second or third team guy gets. I mean, a third mm-hmm. team quarterback is lucky to get one snap in practice. Um, that's the way it goes sometimes. You got to earn it. You got to earn your spot. You're not the starter the day you walk on campus. And I don't know what it is. Like, I want to ask him it's got to be cash, it's got to be about the money. Yeah. You know, and Ole Miss. You just figure they have some money to throw around being an SEC school with, you know, a, a, an older program. They, they've got more money than Mississippi State does. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. And they can't keep their guy happy. No. I mean, what is going You've on? You've got Lane Kiffin as your head coach and you can't keep your guy happy. Keep him happy. It's that is the, That is where we are in college football. It's wild. And honestly, it's also where we are in college basketball, and, oh. and and it helps explain why you have seen so many older coaches stepping aside, because it became that much more intense in terms of their job because of the fact that recruiting, not just for classes coming in, but recruiting your guys again and again and again that are already on your roster just adds to that level of things that are going on away from the court. Right. You know, if I was a small school, not Division One, I'd take a swing and, and try to hire one of those old, you know, one of the older guys. Like, hey, we don't have any of that transfer yeah, give it, stuff. Give it the uh, Jim Calhoun effort yeah. where he finished at a Division Three. Absolutely. Like, why not, man? Come back to your roots and don't worry about the transfer stuff. Just build the program. 
Um, I don't know. There's a lot. Of, it's it's kind of like you're playing a hundred or let's say fifty dollar a hand blackjack, and you go down to a dollar a hand. You know what I mean? You're like, eh, it's not enough. I need more pressure than that. Right. Well, but, and the transfer portal is still something that exists. It's just not utilized at the level as the uh, yeah what Division One has become now. There's got to be something done. I mean. I hate to limit what someone can do in this country, what you know, wherever they want to go. I hate to say that you can do that, but something has to give. This is getting wild, man. This yeah. is getting bad. Yeah. This, this, this is what happens when uh, you, you strike down the proletariat. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> uh, did, didn't mean to bring Marxism into this. Oh, uh, sorry. Boy. Yeah, I know. Uh, it had to be said. Here All we right. Go. We continue with more on the game in a moment. Are you ready for a seventh-year quarterback in the Big 12 next year? <laughs> yeah. Who is it? Alan Bowman at Oklahoma State. Oh, my God. Redshirt at Michigan. Had a season-ending injury at Texas Tech. Lands at Oklahoma State. And has been cleared for a seventh year of eligibility. He remembers when Nebraska was in the Big 12. That's how long ago he played. Pretty doggone close. <laughs> he remembers when Bevo was but anyway. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. just a calf. Yeah, did, I loved that tw- tweet, by the way. Uh, also an edible mascot. And it was a shot of Bevo. <laughs> Got him. Oh, my. Troy, Dave G with you. Mitch is out today. He believed that he needed some time off after spending uh, time in Orlando last week. We're joined by women's basketball coach Jeff Mitty as the Cats picked off a nice win last night in uh, another strong second-half effort in route to besting Houston. I, uh, coach, I mean, honestly, I, I know I'm not Mitch. I apologize for that, but like I said, he thought he needed a break. I I don't get it. I know. I, I said the same thing. I, most most of us that go to Orlando, they come back and go to work. You know. <laughs> exactly. Your that's my plan. We yeah. go to Orlando this weekend, so I'm going to come back to work afterwards. Well, right? yeah. You don't get much of a break when it plays to that, though, and and it does bring up an interesting point. Making that trip down to Orlando this week for what is a conference game. How do you adapt to that? Yeah, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't know. Over my career, I mean, I've, I've coached in a lot of conferences, so I don't know that, uh, uh, I, I don't really look at it any any difference in preparation. And, uh, I mean, yes, there's a little less familiarity with teams, but let's be honest, that's changed with transfer portals anyway. So that isn't something new. If you went back four or five years ago, yeah, rosters generally 80%, 90% stayed the same, but uh, we're seeing so much turnover almost, 80% of the teams every year have pretty good influx of different rosters. So, anyways, a um, little different travel, a little different hotels. All those things are a little bit different, but um, uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's something that Dave and I actually talked a little bit about yesterday, and, and that is that because of the portal, we're starting to see what feels like, anyway, a little more parity atop 
women's college basketball, such as what we've seen with the top 10 being so limited in the changes that it has made this year? Yeah, I think it's been, uh, yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I think a couple things. One, um, you can replace um, with uh, experience, and so there's not maybe the uh, immaturity on a roster that maybe if you lost five or six seniors, you had five freshmen or whatever. Um, so you have the ability. And then, two, when you do have coaching changes, uh, they can get busy in the portal right away, and they can rebuild a roster pretty quick. Uh, by the same token, you can also have rosters decimated at bad times for people. So it's a really interesting time uh, in our profession. Um, I heard you guys talking about the football and all those things going on. It, it, it's a very interesting time to build a roster. It is. There is no doubt about that. And it puts you in a position where really a lot of work that you do in one specific season uh, in terms of looking at the teams that are in your conference, just as an example, goes out the window. Your scouting reports don't hold for the next year at all. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, yeah, especially, and I think you have less carryover from year to year. Um, you, you have, you know, you used to have teams that uh, their system was exactly what they were going to do. And uh, now you, see coaches be more flexible because maybe their roster changes and they, they have the ability to get a different kind of player. So all of that, um, you know, yeah, it makes it interesting. Um, I'm thankful for the roster I've got. This is a good roster. We've got kind of a nice blend of uh, veterans that have been here at Kansas State. Appreciate uh, uh, the purple. Um, we've got a blend of transfers and we've got a blend of, of young players that are really playing well together. That was going to be a point I wanted to touch on because you were put in a position where you have a group that gained a lot of experience last year as your starters, and you added back to that mix with the return of Aoka Lee to uh, just be a centerpiece, really, of this team going forward. How have you managed to ensure that uh, everybody involved is happy with what their role is? Oh, I don't think everybody's always happy with their role. I think that's a day-to-day conversation. Um, I think that the one thing that our group has done a good job of is that uh, they they have tried to star in their role for today, and um, and they've done a really good job of being unselfish when maybe personally things didn't go their way. That's not easy to do. I've been in that position many years ago as a player, but... Um, that's uh, part of team sports, and uh, it is a responsibility. You're part of a team. Uh, you owe it to your teammates. You owe it to your team, and um, our group's been excellent at that. It doesn't mean I don't expect them to um, be happy about it uh, if you're not playing as much or maybe you want an expanded role, but I do expect you to uh, handle it in a respectful, professional way, and and uh, our group knows that, and our group has done that very, very well. With the veteran lineup that you do have, something that was discussed last evening and has played itself out really throughout the course of this year is that adjustments that get made at halftime are being made by the players as much as they are the coaching staff. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And, uh, you, you know, we've... Uh, we've encouraged them to have those conversations and, and hold each other accountable and, and, uh, you know, not be afraid to, to say, you know, 
to, to somebody on the team that we need more from you or this is what we're seeing out there. And it doesn't always mean it's negative. It, it might mean, hey, we need you to be more aggressive. Go score. You've got opportunities. You've got a mismatch. But uh, many times uh, people have asked because our third quarters have been really good, and uh, I would just say that's a player-led halftime, and uh, the players deserve all the credit for, for those things. Explain, if you will, Gap Goat. For those who aren't aware yet of the latest mascot for your team. (laughs) Well, so uh, the quick versions of this, we started a bunch of drills this summer, and I really wanted us to defend the one-on-one dribble better. So in doing that, we were working hard one-on-one, but we were also working hard on everybody being in the gap closer to the ball. And so... Uh, we, we had some drills that we called our gap stop drill, and, and that was that if we got three stops in a row, that was considered a, a gap. And what I told the players, which has statistically been something out there, is that if you get seven of those in a game, um, you have over a 95% chance of winning. So... Then it got into the fall, and the players were having a lot of fun in that drill because it was super competitive. You know, I started telling them, I said, you know, football has the turnover chain. Baseball's <laughs> gone to the home run helmet. And I just said, hey, why don't you guys make it your own? And I talked to, to Serena, Gabby, and Yoki because they had been voted captains, and I said, make it your own. And then all of a sudden, a couple of days later, this goat shows up at practice. <laughs> and um, they said, that's our, that's our gap goat. And then Gabby, I think, came up with the idea that, uh, you know, it, it, it had a chain, and then it has a number seven on the chain if we get seven of them. And then they started an Instagram page, and, you know, it's kind of uh, – it's been pretty fun, and, and, you know, the team has a lot of fun with it. What I care about is that it's uh, emphasizing the things I want, which is to get defensive stops and to string them together, right? Absolutely, and uh, you did so last night against Houston. Final thought from you, Coach, you sit at 14-1. and one. What is the ceiling for this team? Yeah, I don't know. You know, the one thing that our group's done a great job of is just, uh, you know, coming into practice today and, not caring about the record and not, I don't want to say they don't look at it. I think they take pride in it. We're in an era where you look at it, but I tell them every day that none of these things matter to us getting better today. None of the rankings matter. When people didn't have us ranked, I could care less. I knew we had a good team. I could tell by our work ethic. So I'm just trying to keep our head down and uh, go to work and, kind of work in silence, so to speak, and, um, you know, that'll all shake out at the end, but uh, I'm sure enjoying coaching them, and and, I hope our fans are enjoying watching them. Well, the opportunities uh, come back around next week. Uh, Good luck this weekend down in Florida, and we'll look forward to catching up to you again soon. All right, guys. Hey, thanks. I appreciate it. Coach Jeff Mitty as the uh, Cats again improved to 14-1 and on the year. Now 2-0 in conference play, and they get ready to match up with UCF on Saturday afternoon with coverage right here on News Radio KMAN. 
He's the gap goat, man. The gap goat. He is yeah. the gap goat. <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know that, and there again, it's amazing what players can come up with. Right? It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. It, it is tremendous when they have that ownership. Coming up in hour two, we talk a little about a K-State tradition that, well, is a little different. When we continue on the game.